And the thought is just a thought until you attach to it. And then feelings of responses to those thoughts. And then they become habits. If you think back to when you were a child and you were on the merry-go-round, those first few pushes were not easy. Like when you were just like, you had to get it started. So to let them know that this is all part of the process. We're on a journey. This isn't about going from zero to 60 in a second flat. And then eventually you're gonna be so good that you should only need tune-ups at some point. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Jess. I've been hosting this show for a couple of years. I'm a corporate strategist and the creator of this podcast. And if you've been listening for a while, I am so glad and I'm happy that you're here and I have been so, so, so excited for today's interview. I have done a lot of interviews for this show and the one that you're about to hear today was one of my favorites. You may have caught on listening to this show or not, I don't know, but I am obsessed with mindset. I find it so fascinating what we can do, what we can accomplish, what we can achieve when we learn how to work with ourselves and with our minds rather than working against ourselves and you know having our minds battle us and make everything harder for us. And if you're someone who struggles with imposter syndrome and you experience self-doubt and worry that maybe you're not doing a good enough job, Mindset is really, really powerful because imposter syndrome tells you that you're missing some skill or there's some elusive quality that you don't have that would make you better at your role. But mindset tells a different story. Mindset tells us and tells you that it doesn't really matter what your starting point is. Mindset tells you that you have all of the raw ingredients that you need to move yourself to where you want to go. You might need to acquire new skills along the way. You might need to learn things. You might need to get uncomfortable. It might be challenging. It might take time. But that's what mindset is for, is to help you get through all of those things without giving up on yourself and without throwing your hands in the air and saying, everyone else can do this except for me. And that's why I think mindset is so powerful and empowering too, because it puts the game back in your hands. It lets you get in control. It lets you get into the driver's seat and it lets you start to make the decisions that you want to make to strengthen your confidence and to accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish in your professional life. And today's interview, surprise, surprise, is all about mindset. Today's guest, Bryn, is a mindset coach for athletes, and she has a lot of experience in the world of sports. And although I am not an athlete, and I'm not sure if you are, but there are definitely, I think, many of you who are not, I love talking to guests who do mindset work 
outside of the professional world because so many of the insights that they share are so powerful and so potent within the professional world. So I think that you are really going to like this interview. And I'm really excited for you to meet Bryn and hear this conversation. I think you'll find it very like it'll fire you up and make you feel excited and hopefully make you feel unstoppable. And before I cut into the interview with Bryn, oh, which I'm so excited for you to hear, it's oh, it's such a good one. I hope you agree. I'd love to know what you think. But before I get into it, I wanted to share an update, which you may have heard if you listened to last week's episode, A Letter to My Inner Critic. But ever since the summer, I've been studying to become a coach, and I love it. it my nerdy side is so happy and enjoying it so much, and I'm hoping to do more solo episodes and more content where I can share with you what I've been learning as I've been training to become a coach. I am still in my training and it's going to wrap up towards the end of 2020. And in 2021, I'll be opening my private coaching practice where I will be working with women one-on-one to support them in their careers. Part of the reason that I decided to do this, there are many reasons, but one of the big reasons that I wanted to do this was I started this show with a mission. I knew what I wanted to happen in the world based on my own experiences. And what I wanted to happen in the world was I wanted more talented and smart women to take that leap to believe in themselves just enough to show up differently in their jobs. The way that I thought about it was there are so many women out there that are so smart, such good leaders, have such amazing potential, but might struggle with self-doubt and self-confidence and worry and so many of the things that can come up at work. And my belief was there might be a subset of women out there that if they don't get this message that they are strong and capable and they can do whatever they want, my belief was that if those women don't get that message, they might not go on to become leaders. They might not go on to become CEOs. Not that they couldn't, but just for those women who are on the margins and like have crazy talent but don't believe in themselves, I wanted to speak to those women and say, no, 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 if you want it. I want you to want it, and I want to help you get it. And that was really the mission behind this show. And it's been really cool to hear from you, hear your stories about how this show has helped you feel more confident and get promotions and all kinds of incredible things. That has been amazing. But I've also realized, particularly through my own journey of growth and evolution, that consuming content is a very, very different thing than going out in the world and actually changing your behaviors. Of course, you can listen to the podcast, you can listen to a piece of content, and it might give you an idea or some confidence or some inspiration to show up differently at work. And that is amazing. And keep doing that. Do not stop doing that. But some of the change that has to happen when it comes to feeling more confident, speaking up more at work, finding your voice, some of that change is very, very difficult. And to get through that difficulty, sometimes you can push through it alone, and sometimes you need guidance, and you need help, and you need support. And I realized that that was something that I wanted to offer to anyone who is looking for that guidance and support, mostly because 
I have been in the situation of doubting myself a lot, of being really, really hard on myself, and I've been in the situation of underperforming relative to my full potential, not because I lacked the talent, but because I thought I lacked the talent, and I believed that was true, even though it wasn't. And so it's really, really important for me to help bring you back, whether it's through this show or through supporting you one-on-one. It's important to me to help bring women back to the truth, which is that you are wildly capable and whatever it is you want, I believe is possible for you. And I know there are major structural inequalities and there are major challenges, but I want you to have full belief in your capabilities and your raw ability and your raw talent. And I want you to honor whatever it is you want and not downplay it or diminish it because you worry that you might be missing something. Anyway, that really gets into kind of the mission of this show, why I started this show. All of this stuff that I'm talking about is just to let you know that in 2021, I'll be offering private coaching one-on-one, but while I'm finishing my coaching program and while I'm completing my certification, I will be offering beta coaching to a handful of women. So all this means is that I'm still in process of getting my coaching certification, but if you want to work with me now before I kind of officially open my private practice, you can do so at a reduced price. And I'm right now working with women in two different ways. The first way is more career coaching and professional, and the second way is more life coaching. And while career coaching and life coaching have a lot in common, they are slightly different. The career coaching that I am doing is really designed to help women feel more confident in their roles. It's designed to drive a change in your level of confidence and to drive a change in your behaviors and how you show up day to day at work so that you can speak up more, so that you can be more vocal, which is really important for developing your reputation and getting noticed and making sure that people are aware of the level of talent and thinking and contribution that you are able to make. It also includes things like being more proactive in terms of how you approach your projects and how you approach the work that you do. And rather than coming from a place of fear and hesitation, coming from a place of confidence and certainty, which helps you be more proactive. It helps you drive things forward faster and at a higher level. And it helps you perform better without stressing yourself out. So the wonderful thing about working on your confidence and elevating your skills is it's not about you working harder. It's about you feeling more calm, more centered, more even, more at peace. And from that place, bringing an elevated work product and an elevated level of performance to your role. That is on the career coaching side and the life coaching side. I love this stuff. I really love the mysterious. I love all questions and all unknowns about the human existence. So even though... 
sometimes I think the phrase life coach can be really, really cheesy, to be totally honest with you. I think that the process of figuring out what makes you happy in life and what you want your life to look like and how you can find greater purpose and fulfillment is actually a very important and very sacred process that everyone deserves to experience and that I am very excited and very honored to be able to guide people through. It was actually my very first life coach that I worked with that was the reason that I created this podcast. It was that experience that gave me the space to explore my desires and my creativity and what kind of legacy I wanted to leave in the world. And it really showed me the power of having a space where you can explore and create whatever it is you want in your life. And so life coaching is a bit more about your entire life, while career coaching and the career coaching that I'm doing is much more about your confidence and your performance and your comfort and ability to speak up with confidence in your role at work. Those are both things that I'm offering, and you can find out more about both of them on the podcast website. I will link it below in the show notes, or you can go to theartofspeakingup.com slash coaching. And if you do reach out, I'm looking forward to connecting with you. And with that, it's now time for the interview, which I'm looking forward to you hearing. Let me know what you think. This is a good one. My name is Bryn Drescher. I am a mental conditioning coach for basically all sports, primarily uh, basketball, but I coach athletes from the professional, including NBA, all the way down to high school. And um, I have college athletes as well. And I've been doing that for probably uh, about five years. And the biggest thing is um, I've always been in mindset and motivational speaking, but yes, I've been focused on sports and athletes And I I was a former D1 track runner. So I come from sports as well as it's one of my passions is really helping athletes perform at the next level. And can you tell us what mental conditioning means for you? Absolutely. So, you know, everybody knows that sports is physical, of course, right? But we say in mental conditioning, the idea is that the game is 10% physical and 90% mental. However, people spend 90% of their time on the physical and they spend very little time, if any, on the mental aspect of the game. And if you don't know, the hoop is 10 feet, no matter whether you're in the professional level or you're just playing in your backyard, unless you have an adjustable hoop, of course. Just using the example of basketball because most of my athletes are basketball players, but the idea of mental conditioning is, are you conditioning your mind? Because what normally stops people is mental blocks, getting in the way after mistakes, after losses, those type of things. And how do you get back in the game? And it's mostly not physical, it's mental. I'm so excited to get into this. And I feel like this work can be so empowering because it can take these situations, I think, where we feel like frustrated or we feel like things are happening to us, which sometimes is the case. But then sometimes when we're working on something challenging, there are things we can do. There are actually things we can do to feel braver, less afraid, more resilient. Absolutely. And, you know, it is a skill, just like dribbling, just like, you know, shooting. There are certain mechanics to all of like, you know, basketball or in track, there's drills that you can do to be better, to be faster. 
There's so many different things, but it is like you said, how do I respond to the moment better? And so that's the 90-10 rule. And it's the same thing for life, you know, because one of my favorite quotes is how you do anything is how you do everything. So how you show up on the court, how you show up on the track, the mat, the field, that's also showing up out in life, which is, you know, the, the game of life. And so how do we respond better? Because we can't control what's happening, but we can always control how we respond to it. I love that. And to go a little bit farther into the definition, can you break down for us how we could think about thoughts and feelings and the role that those play when you think about building mindset? Absolutely. So one of the things that I tell my players and my, you know, my athletes is that if you think about manifestation, of course, it's thoughts, feelings, then actions, right? And they come in that order, but most people are not aware of their thoughts. So the first thing is becoming aware of your thoughts. And that doesn't mean necessarily changing them, just kind of becoming aware of them. Always like, you know, when they talk about meditation, it's like there are clouds passing by. It's like, oh, I didn't even know I had that thought, right? Then your thoughts inform your feelings, right? So if I think, for example, I had something happen that I didn't think I did well in, then it informs my feelings. So my feelings then become a response to that thought because I attach to the thought instead of allowing the thought to just kind of go through like a ticker, right? And then it informs my actions. So it goes in that order. And when emotions go up, intelligence or full access to your faculties goes down. So now when you're saying, oh, but I'm excited. Well, that's yes. I mean, but, you know, just like they say, don't drive angry. Don't drive excited. So those are the things like you need to find a zone to operate in to really perform optimally. And that's really important as an athlete, as a person. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with being excited. It's just not necessarily the best time to make certain decisions. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, sometimes having sadness because as we learned from the movie Inside Out, they're all necessary parts of life. But it is important to really understand that sort of dynamic and understand that a thought is just a thought until you attach to it. And then the feelings of responses to those thoughts, and then they become habits. And that's a longer conversation. But Yeah. And I think, so this idea that a thought is just a thought and then you attach to it, I think that that's really, really important, especially on this show. There's a lot of talk about building confidence. And I think sometimes the things that keep us from feeling confident or behaving confidently in the moment is a thought. And I think when you're first doing mindset work and sort of becoming more self-aware, it can take a leap of faith to see those thoughts and say, I'm not going to believe you when for all your life or all this time you've been operating under whatever model those thoughts tell you about yourself. Like, I can't do this or I'm not good at this. And it does require that extra little jump to say, well, what if this isn't true? Absolutely. And like Everyone knows that if I'm trying to strengthen a muscle, I need to get into the gym or, you know, we say get your reps in and get your mental reps in. So the thing is, is that when you mentioned confidence, such a, an important thing, because we get that question quite often. What, you know, how do I build confidence? I want to be more confident. Well, it's repetition. It's, you know, doing something to the point that you have the belief that it's going to go well for you. And so you have to get your reps in. You, it's, it, it's a skill, like I said, and in order, you know, learned, that's good. You can learn it. But if you think about everything you've ever learned, it's not something that you got just like that. It's something that you worked at. And so while nobody wants to do the work, you know, um, it, the idea is like if you apply enough attention and focus and time to something over time, you're going to see results. And that's the thing. 
Yeah, I agree. And those first reps, like whether it's exercise or even in the case of this show, speaking up at work, which is something that many of the women who listen are trying to get stronger at, you have to go through those times where it feels awful. And you have to be in that like ugly starting point. And I guess I'd be curious for you when you're working with someone, what are you saying to them? And how are you keeping them with it in the uncomfortable part before the reward has come to make sure that they don't give up before they start building confidence? A great analogy that was given to me actually by another coach that I always think about when it comes to change is that if you think back to when you were a child and you were on the merry-go-round, those first few pushes were not easy. Like when you were just like, you had to get it started. So to let them know that this is all part of the process. We're on a journey. This isn't about going from zero to 60 in a second flat. And so the big thing is to say, okay, here's the thing. You are starting this journey of awareness. So you're like a baby right now in this whole process. And just as we wouldn't yell at the baby for not knowing how to walk first day out the gate, I'm not gonna be angry at you because this is all new to you. So we're gonna introduce some concepts you know, and we're going to do it in a scaffolding type of way. It's not going to be like, okay, here's mental conditioning or here's how we're going to do mindset and get that down and then come back and talk to me. It's like, okay, first we start with awareness because becoming more aware of your surroundings, you know? So it's like more like in those instances, it's like, okay, once you become aware that you're having trouble speaking up at work to use your example, then it would be, okay, well, why do you want to change it? And let's talk about that. And then we're going to, okay, so now we have a goal and, you know, like our long-term goal that's going to help direct, you know, so we really give them something like the carrot to lead them through. We need to learn more about why we're in this process. Why do you want to play this game? Why do you want to play this sport? Why do you want to excel at this game, sport, life, job, etc.? And then we're going to build a plan to get there. And that's going to be a process of taking you through these steps. And then eventually you're going to be so good that you should only need tune-ups at some point. But just like I'm teaching you the fundamentals from the beginning, yeah, you got to fall in love with the boring of the process of I'm not ready to speak up yet, but I'm doing these steps because then once I do, then I'm ready to compete or play or work at a higher level. It's so interesting because I think like when I think of peak performance or mental conditioning, I think of this person like doing this thing and they're so good at it. And I I love what you said and what you shared because it's like at the beginning parts of that, before you get to that, it's all about like patience and mistakes. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's not what you're imagining at all. And I think that's the place where your belief in yourself and your loyalty to your goals and what you truly want has to be strong enough so that you can really make it through. Yeah. And, and I think sort of what you're talking about really reminds me of a, an important principle that we teach our athletes, which is the idea of de- identity and role. So for example, it's detaching the role from the identity. So knowing that the role, I I use the analogy of a plug and an outlet. Hmm. So as you are in your role as an employee, as a wife, as a, you know, a a mother, uh, and then of course, all the way down to my athletes, basketball player, track, volleyball, golf, whatever it is, you need to realize that you are not what you do, right? what you do is informed by who you are. And so it's really establishing sort of one step in that confidence is really getting that a bad game, bad performance, bad situation is not 
about who you are, because what tells me who you are is how you respond to that, because that's where you come from, right? So it's really just getting the athlete to get that, especially since athletes really, you know, like sometimes you can over-identify with that role. Like, oh, I had this job, I had this amazing career, and then that career was over, and then I didn't know who I was. Well, it's like you were always someone separate from that role, and it was just that was what was plugged into that role. The role doesn't have the juice. The identity does. I mean, yes, the outlet, you know, gives back the charge to the plug, but once you take the plug out, the plug is not whole. So that's the idea. It's like the outlet needs the plug to actually function, you know, to do something, whereas the plug is fine by itself. It has everything it needs. So it's, you know, but we we exercise, I don't know how to explain it, but we, we did, we, um, we display who we are through that role. So we're gifted by the role, like, and there's a lot of great things about it, but you really need to know that you're amazing without the role. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it's hard. But like one thing that I think about a lot and have talked about is sort of like, are you going to be there for yourself in the moment when it goes bad? So like when someone's taking a risk or doing something scary, of course, of course, we want the good outcome. But it's always like, in that moment where you're not getting the good outcome, you're not getting the validation from outside, are you going to be able to pause and find something within yourself to say like, I'm okay, like, yes, this stings, but I'm I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm just going to like be proud that I tried. Absolutely. If you know who you are, like, it's like, so what I do with my athletes, I'm like, okay, give me some things about you that are, you know, like what makes you a good basketball player? I'm hardworking, I'm resilient, I'm whatever. Okay. So now that you made that mistake, you said you're resilient. So for example, you said in the outcome, it's not attached to outcome. We say skill over scoreboard. So the idea is, is that you can't control the points on the board all the time. And same thing in the job and same thing in the relationship. It's like more, how are you going to respond? And that's going to come from what you know about yourself. So I'm hardworking. So I'm going to get back in there. I'm going to do something. I'm going to work at this to make, you know, move myself towards the outcome that I more desire, but it's all a journey. Because even when you get to that, desired outcome, then there's a new desired outcome. It's never ending. So it's like really who you are is going to inform what you do and how you respond moment to moment to moment, because it's an endless moment, 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 moment process. I love that. Yeah. It's so tempting to focus on the end result. And I'm sure that happens a lot in sports, I would guess. It takes you out of the fun in some ways. Exactly. Because we say that um, I either win or I learn not I win or lose because most of us look at game film or, you know, reevaluate when we have a loss or a mistake. We don't typically after a win decide to go in and look at all the things that we could have done better. And so the idea is like, you know, there's no losing, there's only learning because if you can, we say it's just feedback, like, okay, a couple adjustments here, there and everywhere, but people are always like, I'm a winner or I'm a loser. And it's like, if you look at that, then, you know, it's like, the only person that gets to celebrate is the winner. And it's like, if you bring the best of yourself, sometimes you're not going to win, but there's always something to learn. It's so interesting because I think sometimes we have this misconception that the people who are very successful are people who never fail and they just have successes and that's how they became successful. But it's actually just the people who were willing to fail and did fail and then learned and then continued. And that's how they were able to get the excellent results. Yeah. I mean, if you look at baseball or basketball to be a good pitcher or a good batter or a good basketball player, you actually can miss a good portion or have, you know, like you said, failure, so to speak, 
50% of the time. So that means that every time it comes down to, okay, I'm going to make this or I'm going to miss this. So if you do like, let's say you're doing out of 10 for basketball, five out of 10 times I can miss a free throw and I'm still considered a good free throw shooter if I'm at 50%, you know, or 70% or whatever it is, but you're still going to have those losses and still be considered good. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, of course, the, all the analogies of the inventors and the people that came in the world, there's a lot of learning along the way that went, but everybody, like you said, looks at the successes and you compare your day one against somebody's day 5,000 and you go, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And it's like, yeah, you're not for a 5,000 day person, but that 5,000 day person started where you are. So the good news is, is that there's a 5,000 day in your future, but you're going to have to walk your own journey. And most people don't want to do that. They want the shortcut. Like what's the microwave version? And yes, mastering the mental game will give you the shortcut you're looking for, but there is no long-term shortcut that's a zap. Yeah. You can't take a shortcut to get to the thing that gives you the shortcut and makes you good at it. Yeah. It's so interesting too, because sometimes I think about it as a story where Mm -hmm. you're having this struggle and your process of moving through it is the story. And it's the middle of the story where everything happens, right? Like the end only matters because of all the stuff that happened before. And I think when we're struggling, like that's not what we want to hear, obviously, but Mm -hmm. I do think it can help us see the power in what we're going through and that it's not just like this difficult, awful thing, but it's maybe part of something greater, something bigger that we can't see that will enrich us at some point in the future. That is such a great analogy. I love what you said there about the story. And, um, you know, you think about the movie, everybody wants to know the ending to be whether they're, it's worth watching. But as you said, it's the middle. But the best way, you know, like Abraham Lincoln said, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And that's the process in the middle is creating the outcome you want. But most people like they just want to know without getting started. And it's like, but if you put just like if I'm going to do a recipe, I know at the end it's going to turn out to look like this picture or pretty darn close if I follow the steps. And so I don't need to know like, you know, that picture helps. But you're going to flesh out that picture. You're going to be, and that comes from being specific. That comes from like really having enough of a vision articulated and designed to pull you towards that. And I think that's one step that people miss in goal setting is like being really specific, drawing out something that makes you want to get up and really like make that come true. Oh, I love that. And another piece to it too is I feel like you need to address or move through or knock down all of the excuses that are going to tell you that this analogy, this thing that we're talking about, this stuff is not for you because you're X and your Y and your Z and therefore none of this applies. And it's like, That is also part of the process. And I love what you said about setting the vivid goal and really knowing why you care so much because that's what's going to help you say like, okay, I feel all this hesitation. I feel these really powerful excuses. They feel really real right now in my mind, but I want this thing. And I know that these excuses are expected to come up. It's part of the process. And now I get to choose. Like, this is my moment of choice. Absolutely. And um, oh, choice. Gosh, that's like my favorite thing. The power of choice, like letting people know that you're making choices. And again, that moment to moment, like, you know, the when two word roads diverge in a wood, I take the road less traveled. But it's that whole thing of like, 
what choice are you going to make and the choices that you're going to make day to day to day to day to day to get to that vision. But um, the excuses come up because the mind is designed to keep you in your current paradigm. So I'll say that again, the mind is designed to keep you in your current paradigm. If you are not happy with your current paradigm situation or, you know, like I'm not happy with that, I'm not getting this many minutes in my sport. I'm not happy that I'm not getting that playing time or these results then you have to change the action, right? And that comes from the choice. So in other words, if I'm currently this level of a shooter using basketball once again, then I need to put in the work to change that. And that's the thing. That's a choice. That's going to come a choice point, right, of what I'm going to do, how I'm going to act differently. If I'm going to make that vision, then that vision is going to require a certain level of choices. I was talking to my players last night about A player, B player, and it was funny because they, of course, chose A player, most of them, because they thought that I was trying to get them to choose A player. And I was like, actually, some people are okay being a B player. And a B player doesn't mean that you're not good. There are B players at the professional level. But it's, you know, if you want to set yourself apart to be a Kobe, a LeBron, a Serena Williams, or whoever, it's going to take a different level of choices and actions to get there. And are you willing to do what it takes to be that? Oh my gosh. Choices are so wild. And like, I think about too, how sometimes a choice could be really subtle. So, you know, one thing I've talked about in this show is like being scared to speak in front of a group of people. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a work environment, you have a lot of situations where like you're forced, like you have to introduce yourself, you have to share your work. And it's so interesting because even though your action is the same, I found that in my growth in that journey, like you can still make these choices in the moment of how you're going to talk to yourself in the moment where like it's your turn and you feel afraid and like you still have to share the thing or say who you are or speak up and say the scary thing. But you have a choice of like, what thoughts are you going to indulge in that instant of time? And are you going to indulge in a belief that maybe like you are strong enough to do it? And so it like, I almost feel like these choices get down to like the subtlest places within our minds and our energy. And once you, you know, give yourself, I think the gift of like tapping into that, it can really help you see that, oh, like I can change. Like this situation doesn't have to feel the same every single time. Absolutely. And I think it's just becoming aware of your patterns too, because it's small little adjustments, like you said, like, you know, we say in sports, fall in love with the boring, like it is the small little things. Everybody thinks it's this big thing, like, right. I need to go do some crazy thing to become better. And it's like, sometimes it's just a small adjustment. It might be your hand placement on the ball. It might be the way you put your hands on the line at the race. And, and then, you know, those are the physical things, but then it is the small little adjustments. Like, saying right before the gun goes off, if you're in you know, a race, I can do this. And like, instead of like, oh my God, everybody's better than me. It's a one small different statement, one small different thought, but that those little thoughts add up in either towards what you want or what you don't want. And so, yes, absolutely. It's the pep talks. It's the self-talk. It's all of the different things that you need to do mentally to get yourself prepared. And they are, they're micro adjustments to, you know, just like the, the earth is rotating at, you know, whatever, and you can't feel it, but we are moving. It's the same thing in the process of change. You are going to have to make those small tilts and adjustments to move towards what you actually want instead of away from it. Oh, I love the analogy of the earth turning because it's yeah. so slow that you won't believe it's happening at the beginning. Exactly. And you have to make the adjustments before you have the evidence that the earth is actually moving. And like Absolutely. that's 
that's what I think of as the place where change can happen. But I think that's a hard place to be in. And that's why like the work you do and the idea of having someone to help you oh can my gosh. help you not get stuck in that place. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, because the other thing is, is that, uh, you know, they, they, they say that if somebody came and like stuck uh, a big, obviously a very large pole into the earth, we would all hit the wall at 720 miles an hour because that's actually the speed that the world is spinning. So change is actually happening pretty rapidly around you, but you aren't aware of that because you're we're stuck in our own like vision and perception of the world. And so having somebody to walk you through that process and also keeping you from trying to hit the wall at 720 miles an hour because that's not the way that one should go about change. Because some people say, oh, I want to lose weight. So then they try to go to the gym and they, you know, like do the craziest workout that they ever have heard of because they're trying to get results tomorrow and now they can't walk or they pulled something, they've hurt themselves, they've injured themselves. So having someone that's going to walk you through that process of what is best for you, given the context of what they know about where you are in your journey is so healthy. Like it's really, it, you know, all elite athletes have coaches. I mean, just think about that. All people that perform at a higher level business, you know, uh, sports, um, you name it, you name the field, they have someone that advises them, that walks them through that process. And so you should be no different, but it's all the idea of, are you willing, just like an elite person or athlete invest in themselves you need to invest in yourself if it's important to you to do it in the best way possible and actually does speed up the journey but there is a cost and there's a sacrifice and some people are willing to make that and some people want to do it the hard way yeah (laughs) and you have to believe that you can succeed right the only way you're going to make that bet on yourself is if you truly believe that it's going to happen and you have the guidance, you have the coach, but you're going to be the one, like you're the one on the court, right? And so it does require that self-belief. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't try to play the game without a coach. So that's the thing. And to know that it does give you, it, I mean, of course you can be successful without a coach. Let's just get that out right now. Like there's plenty of people that did it without a coach. The thing is, is that the coach can see things from a level that the players can't on the court. And so the same thing on life, when you're in it, sorry, it's a little (laughs) harder to uh, actually do it. And so once you get to a level of like understanding that, oh, they've got a vision, they've got a more bird's eye view of what's actually happening, you know, that actually helps to have that feedback from a different perspective. And that is why you get a coach in a sport. And that's why you can get a coach in the business world or a speaking coach or whatever you're trying to accomplish. Like you said, you know, you can accomplish it. You're just trying to get somebody to help you with that roadmap and to give you that inspiration along the way to keep you And and sometimes I think about it as a partner and a collaborator, where instead of having to work on yourself alone, you get to work on yourself with this little team that you formed and it feels like as humans I think we need support like we need to know have this feeling that like someone has our back and I know like a lot of people myself included like I have a tendency to try to just do everything myself and not be dependent on anyone but I think like it's really healthy and important to acknowledge that it's good to have support and get support and it doesn't make you weak and it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It makes you strong. Right, right. And I think that's why I think as sports is such a good analogy for that because, again, you wouldn't do it without, like, you know, I mean, there's some sports you don't have coaches, but actually, no, all sports you have coaches. 
But, you know, and I think also finding the right coach. I mean, just, you know, like making sure somebody that does understand your vision un- attempts to understand you because not all coaches are good coaches. So, you know, like you want to find somebody that gets it, make, finds a way in that's relatable to you because obviously everybody's methods don't work for everybody, right? So like I, I may be the perfect coach for this person and you may be the perfect coach for that person and we're going to arrive at the same destination, but our process might be different. And But it made sense to you. Obviously, if I come up to you and I'm speaking a language that you don't speak, we're not going to have a lot of communication. And so it's so important to find someone you can communicate with and really identifying, you know, the right person on that journey for you as your collaborator, as you say, because I think it is, I think it is a co-creative experience. It's not that the coach is higher than the player. It's that we're together in this because I get you. So I love that you said that. Yeah, that's, that makes it feel really good for me personally. And that's kind of like, I, I was a very like I have to do everything myself kind of person, and I think I've really humbled myself. I might relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I've had to humble myself and like working with coaches and learning more about myself and understanding like it is okay <laughs> to go get some help and it's it's okay to need a hand like that is okay. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you a little bit about the moment like before a big game or mm-hmm. like the moment before something that feels like it's coming down to the moment and this person really wants to harness focus and be in their best kind of mental and physical state, because I think that's something that we, that this audience also needs. So can you speak to how you're thinking about supporting someone in that moment or what they can do to just bring everything? Yeah. So the first thing is, is to understand that let's say it was the biggest game or the biggest meet or whatever it is. Uh, You know, it's always like, what would I as the coach say to the player? And the pep talk, you know, you would think that it's like, this is the, you know, you see the ones in the movies or like, you know, the ones on the battlefield, like this is the speech that you're going to give. However, when you get to a level of like practicing something at the level of what it's going to be like on that day with the scenarios of what could go wrong, how to respond to those moments. The pep talk, actually, I talked to a coach of mine not too long ago and I was asking her like, what right before like sectionals, for example, or state, like, did you give, like, what kind of talk did you give on the bus? She's like, I don't give a different talk because it's the same. This meet is no different than that meet that we did two weeks ago, because you should always be bringing the best of yourself. So the big thing is, is that you've got this. So there doesn't need to be a heightened level of like pressure on the athlete. Now, is there at times? Yes, but that's in the mind of the athlete. The coach's job is to hold the ground of like, you've got this, you've been training for this. This is regular, like, you know, this is no different than what we were doing last week last month, you know, so like you've spent the time preparing. So the big thing is not to be here. It's to actually bring yourself to a level of being really in the zone and, um, you know, sort of like calming down rather than, you know, hyping up. And so my thing is um, one of the things we do with our athletes, we do mindfulness. And the big thing is getting them into a place of understanding that, they are in control, the better that they can harness and get to that place of like zenness, so to speak. We don't use the word zen because not all of them understand that. Even if you explain it, it's kind of like that may not be their language. So finding their language of what that means. So maybe chill or whatever they're like using, but just like, how do we get to a place of like 
I've done this, I'm practiced, I'm ready. And then the other thing is visualization. Um, a lot of what we call mental rehearsal. And this actually is not something that is unique to sports. Of course, people have heard of visualization before, but most people only use it or think of it in sports or think of it in manifestation. But what they don't realize is that you can create your day by rehearsing it before you even step into it. And so like, what do you want today to feel like? What do you want today to look like? And same thing with the game. They need to go through the game in their mind before they step onto the court, before they step onto the track, before they step, you know, onto the, you know, the, the green or whatever the case is. So it's getting to that place in their minds of like, I've got this and like blocking out all the noise. And it's actually more stillness than it is about getting hyped up. Uh, I got chills when you said stillness because I feel that. And I think sometimes when it comes to confidence, we think it looks big, it looks loud, it looks aggressive, it looks fast, it looks intense. And at least in my confidence journey, I sort of went through evolution and I can see where it's all landing and it's landing in stillness. And it's just, it, it is the ability to harness and create that stillness within you in moments that rattle your confidence. It's almost like if someone's rattling your cage, instead of like fighting back, that's just going to make it rattle more. The stiller you are and the stronger you are, the less you're going to shake. Absolutely. I mean, I think the best analogy for that is martial arts. Mm. Like, you know, it is about like knowing and focusing in the moment. And I mean, you know, Bruce Lee says, be like water. And it's that whole thing of the flow of things. And in order to flow, you have to be still, but you also have to be free. And it doesn't mean that the external environment of you is still. It's how can you be still in that environment? And so, like you said, rattling the cage is such a good example because, of course, there's going to be competition that's trying to rattle your cage. There's going to be outside forces like, you know, fans, parents, you know, uh, you know, teammates, whatever the case is. But when, you know, the top athletes, they'll tell you that there was a moment where they couldn't hear anything and it was just them and the game, just them and the ball, them and whatever. Um, Tiger Woods is really a great example of that. And like really shutting out those noise and getting to a place. And I, I mean, he will say that the mental game is what made a difference for him out there. So. I love that. And it takes time to get there. Right. But it is possible. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, there's a great quote that says there's no time in the order of miracles. So I think the big thing is, yes, it, you know, there's a great quote, you know, that everybody likes to use without struggle, there is no progress. But if you knew that it was going to be struggle, like some people that that motivates them, but I think it's not thinking about struggle. It's just thinking about, okay, I'm in a stage and like I said, infancy. So I need to be gentle with where I'm at. And so I don't need to say it's going to be hard. You know, because when you reinforce hard in your mind, then that sometimes obviously makes it harder to be still. It makes it more difficult to like actually embrace this process. So it's just like, okay, I'm at a stage and I'm going to go through the process of what this stage entails. And I'm going to, I know this is a an adjustment in your mental game, but my, that's what I seek my players to understand is that you want to be something. So there's a process to that. And so love that process. Instead of like thinking, oh, this is going to be hard. Like, no, that's okay. Because I love that I'm going through the journey because I can see that I'm moving the needle little by little by little by little. And so that's why I say celebrate all wins and celebrate the small wins. For example, I'll use, uh, I ran a marathon 
My end goal was four hours and 20 minutes because we had a pace group and, you know, trained and all this. I only set an end goal. And this is before I was doing mental conditioning. Um, but I was like, you know, I'm just, yeah, I didn't have a one mile goal. I didn't have a five mile goal. I didn't have it. And so I didn't have anything to benchmark through the process. So definitely, as they say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You need to set and celebrate those small goals and small wins along the way so that you are psyching yourself out to tell yourself that you're going along in the process or evolving through it much better than you thought you would. So you have something to sort of measure. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I have this thing that came to me called turtle wisdom, which is like, I was like, the turtles are the wise ones because they know it's like the tortoise and the hare, right? But it's hard to be a turtle. Like it humbles you when like, you're going like little step and you see, you see hairs around you. They're going at their own speed. And to like, be like, you know what? I'm cool with just turtling my way forward one little step at a time. And that requires boldness to, to, you know, not say like, oh, I'm going to give up because I see all this other stuff around me that's faster, or I'm going to give up because it seems like it's going to take forever. I would only argue that I don't know that it's hard to be a turtle unless you're looking at it from a Harris perspective. I think that the turtle is just fine being the turtle because the turtle knows. I mean, of course, if you're right, you know, judging a fish by the way that it can climb a tree, it would be hard to be a fish. But if you are just the fish and you don't want to climb a tree and you don't care, it's like, you know, you don't, you're not. So it just depends on the subset of the, whether you're operating on the idea that the hair is better, then it's hard to be a turtle. But if you are in the context of turtles always win, regardless of the circumstances, and they just get there in their own pacing and their own time. And just like in track and field, since we always use the tourists in the hair race, I am really racing against myself and my better yesterday, right? Or my yesterday's time or my yesterday's results, then I don't need to worry about the hair. I need to be in my own lane and just focus on what I'm doing and how I know that at the end that there is a finish line and I'm going to get there eventually and that's okay. And so I think I'm not saying that, you know, yes, when you compare yourself against the hair, it would be hard to be a turtle. But when you get that the turtle wisdom, as you said, that the turtle knows something that the hair doesn't, which is regardless of the speed, I'm still going to get there and I'm gonna run my own race. And in fact, I don't necessarily have to work as hard as that hair because he's doing twice the work and uh, you know, not necessarily getting the better results. So that's the thing, it's running your own race. I love that. And I wanna get your thoughts and expertise on self-sabotage. Yes, yes. You know, we all know about self-sabotage and there's um, ceilings in all of our worlds. And, um, you know, of course, you've heard of the glass ceiling in the corporate world for gender, for uh, race, those type of things. And those actually exist, of course. Uh, The key is, is that we say to the athletes, all limitations are self-imposed. All limitations are self-imposed. So this idea is that while there there are things and constructs that may exist in society, there have been plenty examples of people that transcend them because they worked on breaking their own limitations and not subscribing to other limitations. So the big thing is, is that when you hit a ceiling, 
your mind and your body are programmed at a certain level. And so many of us self-sabotage. So the, one of the better examples of this is, of course, money mindset, right? A lot of us like, okay, maybe uh, we saw a parent that mismanaged a lot of money. So we're afraid that we will do the same. So we will always spend frivolously or do something to stay away. So we keep ourselves in there's maybe poorer because we don't want to hit that level of where we're going to be irresponsible with a lot of money. So that's an example of a ceiling. So you'll sabotage yourself because you believe that when you go there. So for athletes, for example, they get to a higher level. So like my professional athletes, they're like, I, I'm now, I want this thing, but I'm worried I won't be able to carry the vision so all of a sudden I injure myself because then I don't have to perform at that level because I'm not ready to really fully realize. And that happens in our lives. We injure ourselves, you know, we do things and that's self-sabotage, even though it manifested as a physical thing, there's a mental something that's bringing about a way to kind of stop you from breaking that ceiling because on the other side of that ceiling is liberation, but it's also fear. What about if it doesn't work out? And your mind's telling you all these things because it's designed to keep you safe. It, it, again, it's that old paradigm. I'm, I'm comfortable mm -hmm. here. This is where I've always operated and what's over there. And what if it's all scary and dark and, you know, whatever. And so the thing is kind of like um, the Princess Bride, which is one of my favorite movies. And they have to go through the, the swamp forest. You know, once you get through that on the other side, there's, you know, there's uh, there's other things, there's other challenges and obstacles that will be at every level, but it's breaking that ceiling. And so, yeah, I mean, self-sabotage is huge for athletes because they're afraid of the unknown, just like all of us. But it's like once you break through that, you realize, holy cow, it's actually pretty good here. And then you'll find other you'll find the next level, but it's going to it's not like immediate. So I think the big thing in my experience with my athletes is letting them know that it's okay and guiding them through that process in a gentle way. And if there is an injury, how to coax them back and really figure out what that is so they don't keep injuring themselves. Because you have athletes that have knee problems forever or you have like all these things. And there's there's a lot there under the surface that they're not dealing with most likely. And I know some people say, well, it's just the physicality of the body. Some people just don't have good knees. And I mean, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. And I know that that may be controversial, but my idea is like, your knees are a part of it's a joint and anything to do with joints is flexibility so if you're rigid somewhere in your life that manifests in back pain or you know if you feel unsupported that's back pain because that's the big support of the body if you're having issue with your wrists or your knees or your ankles that's a lot of that's a joint so you have to look at what psychologically might be happening that's causing you you know that you need to clear so that you can get to the next level of that and so, yeah, it's a lot looking deeper at things and not just looking at the outside of everything, which is symptom versus cause. That's our whole world. So. Oh, my gosh. This is so fascinating. And what you said about money mindset, I think, is so important for also the audience of this show. I'm always encouraging women to just kind of like step up and own what they want and own their desire. And money mindset is a real thing for someone in a corporate career thinking like you're not worthy of the management position or of the bigger thing. And it's like what you're saying almost reminded me of like, there's a fear of success. There's like a fear of this bigger thing of even having it and being successful in having it. You know, I know people say that a lot, right? Fear of success, fear of failure. And that's a very blanket thing, but it's looking back at your own personal journey of what messages did you get around 
things similarly. And so instead of like, you know, like, oh, I guess I'm afraid of success. I'm afraid of failure. Nobody's really afraid of success or failure. They're afraid of duplicating something that they have internalized is a scary thing, whatever that is. So like if, uh, you know, like uh, they see people that uh, are successful, lose all their friends or lose relationships or whatever, and they're happy with their relationship or happy with whatever, then it becomes like this manifestation or they learned a long time ago that in order to be successful, you had to lose everything. So it's not so much a blanket. It's like more looking at your own personal journey and messages that you received and then giving back the ones that you don't want to subscribe to. So it's like unsubscribing, just like to that list of emails that you no longer want to receive. It's unsubscribing from certain, I call it the BS, the belief systems that no longer serve you. And so it's like, you've got all these things in your journey, in your path, in your way as an athlete, as a person. And cause we're all performing, we're all competing in, in, in against ourselves in our minds and stuff. So that's why I call us mental athletes. We're all mental athletes. But uh, this idea of like, I don't want to believe that anymore. I don't want to, I don't need this anymore. Like, thank you. You got me this far in life, actually, by being safe. I was, you know, able to perform, you know, develop some strengths, some good things. But I think this idea that, oh, I'm afraid of success, I guess. Like, that's that's a very arbitrary thing because success is so different for everybody. And so I don't have a problem with people saying it, but I think it's too nebulous for most people to get. So it's more like, okay, let's take a look at your specific journey of what messages you got from your parents, your coaches, your friends, your family, whatever. And then let's find out what you don't want to keep anymore. Like what, you know, so when it comes to money mindset, what messages did you receive around money? And then let's take out what's keeping you stuck. Oh, yes. All the layers deep. I think that's so yeah, fascinating, yeah. especially, you know, for women. That, I mean, there's not good representation in, you know, the leadership of corporate America, too. So I think it creates all these question marks of like, well, what does that look like for me? And do I fit up there? And yeah, I think that that is such a helpful nuance on that. And I want to ask you to speak to someone who's feeling stuck. If someone is feeling very kind of like in the same place, what do you think is important for that person to know? Uh, I think we've all felt stuck at certain times. So the first thing is that's okay. Okay. It's like, this is okay. I get it. You're feeling like you're stuck in the same place. So it's more, again, about really defining what skills, abilities, and strengths that we have even at the stuck level. Like, how did we get there? Because at one point, we were not at this level. And it's not how did we get there, how did we get stuck? But it's like, you know, we transcended from some level to this stuck level. So what's keeping us there? Because there's probably something that we need to learn that is why we're still here. So for me, for my athlete, for example, I'm stuck at this certain level. It's like, okay, maybe there's a belief, obviously, that I can't get to the next level. Not that, because a lot of times we'll think like something's keeping me here. Something's you know, someone, some force is like not allowing me to succeed. So one, take 100% responsibility for where you're at. Now, again, when I say responsibility, we're breaking that down. Responsibility, ability to respond. So I have the ability to make choices, going back to my choice, to make something different. So one, do I want to be here anymore? Okay, no. Most people say no. Okay, cool. So why am I still here? Okay, well, because if I'm being honest, right, and you may have to, obviously the coach is going to have to help that person. And it's not about blame. Okay, this is not about blame or fault. A lot of times when you hear responsibility, people say, are you saying it's my fault? No, that's very different. Okay, 
It is a responsibility because it's not your fault that maybe you're not getting promoted. It's not your fault that there aren't as many opportunities for women. It's not your fault that people of color are having, you know, all these barriers put in their path. But if I take responsibility for what I'm going to do with what I have, then I have a certain set of skills, like Liam Neeson says in his movies, to be able to operate and respond at the level I'm at. And so then it becomes, okay, well, either I need to up-level in knowledge, I need to up-level in awareness, I need to decide if this is where I want to be, because like I'm stuck at this level maybe in my career, or I'm stuck at this level in my relationship. Do I need a new relationship? Do I need a new job? Do I want a different position within that same situation? Do I need to change the dynamics of my relationship? So there's all, there's so many different things. So it's really just walking you through like, hey, you've got a lot going for you. Like you're pretty tough. You're, look at, I mean, look at what you've come from. And now how do we operate and use that to springboard us into a different way of looking at this and then from there attempt to take steps out of it and so i think that's the big thing it's you know it's okay that you're stuck we've all we all get there and there's probably some lesson that needs to be learned or some awareness or something we don't want to look at so let's slowly adjust and uncover and find it so that we can then say oh i got the lesson from this level for my gamers out there because esports is a thing too and so i got what i needed to know about this level that i didn't know and now i can transcend it so that would be my step for an athlete is like giving them credit for how far they've come and saying okay something in this journey so what is it because there's probably a reason why you want to stay here unconsciously so let's uncover that let's give you credit for where you've come from and let's use all of that to get to the next level oh i love that so much and we're gonna bring the conversation back to you a little bit and i wanted to ask you how doing this work as your profession has really bled into your own life and really changed things for you on a personal level? Yeah, so to bring it back full circle, if I said this, uh, because I'm not sure, but uh, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so what I teach my athletes, I in turn have to practice. Just because I'm a mental conditioning coach doesn't mean I've got it all figured out and my life is so perfect and everything's great. It's just that I respond faster because I have these tools. So I, I recognize my own BS, whether you define that as belief systems or the other more popular uh, definition of that. And so I don't get credit for that. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I know I'm messing up, you know, but it's then what do I do with that? Like, so if I know I'm stopping myself, I know that this is a limiting belief. I know that I have, I'm self-sabotaging. I know those things. Then it becomes, okay, okay, Bryn, it becomes the self-talk like, okay, you know what you're doing. You're trying to, you know, do this all by yourself. You're trying to, you know, so I get to call myself on my own stuff and I have to practice it just as much. And I use my own personal stories with my athletes because as we know, stories are very powerful and to show people that I came from where you come from. When I was an athlete, I didn't have these tools. No one was talking to me about the mental game of track and field. I was, you know, I ran in high school. I was varsity all four years. And then I went to college, a D1 uh, institution, and I ran three years there. I graduated a semester early because I wasn't on scholarship. I walked on, which is a huge deal to walk on to a D1 team and be able to compete. But my biggest thing is 
I didn't have any of those tools. I just thought if I worked hard, I was going to be successful, right? I didn't know. I didn't really discover the mechanics of mindset until after I was out of college. So for me, it's all the things that I apply and I'm in constant learning mode because there's so many different layers that I haven't fully uncovered in my journey. So I'm willing to be vulnerable with my athletes and let them know that I don't have all the answers, but that I also go through these journeys and let them know that here's what I got from my swipe or rotation around this particular situation. And here's some wisdom I can give you because I'm going through this even yesterday or tomorrow or whatever the case is. So being able, for me, it's living it and walking my talk. And that's the hardest thing that any coach can do. Um, and, and also, Letting, and I think that's what people look for in their coaches is that vulnerability, that transparency, that honesty. And so for me, that's really important that I let them know, like, I don't have this all figured out. I'm just, you know, I'm, I mean, if we're being honest, most adults are just big kids walking around in, you know, bigger clothes. So it's how do we end up leading in a way that lets our athletes know that this is a process. And yes, I seem further along in the journey than you. And I am because I'm just years ahead, but that doesn't mean that you can't catch up. And in fact, you're getting it so much sooner than I did. So you're going to be a, such a better version than me if you get this now and you get your reps in now because I didn't have anyone teaching me this. So that's the big thing for me is how can I walk in integrity of what I teach by practicing it? And I always say I'm my first client. I was my first client and I continue to be my first <laughs> So. I love that. And speaking of that, I want you, I wanted to ask you um, how you work with people, what it's like to work with you and where we can find you to learn more. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things I do is I do group sessions on Zoom. I think that, you know, like I love the quote, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. So I think there's so much in the group coaching environment. Um, so one of the ways to work with me, of course, is one on one. I'm fine with that. Um, obviously, because you're not going alone. We're together and we're a team, you and me. OK. Um, and uh, but then the second way is I'm launching a course called The Mental Athlete. And the reason I called it a mental athlete I referred to earlier is, is this idea of like taking all this wisdom from the elite athlete level, from working with athletes on all the levels, it's all the same. I do the same exercises with my high school students as I do with my NBA players. It doesn't matter. It's just about the same principles because we're all going through the same mental calisthenics, as I call it. So uh, that course will have different levels of like, whether you're in business, you're an athlete at the college level, professional level, or, you know, and I mean, obviously the professional level most likely is going to work by themselves, but the college athlete with their team or the high school athlete with, you know, all the different um, sports, I'm launching that and that will be taught in a group format and it's facilitated on Zoom, it's live and there's, you know, we go through the lessons and then you apply it in your life and then come back and we do tune-ups and we work on that. So, um, but the way to find me, of course, on all social media platforms, I'm at Bryn Drescher, which I know in the show notes, my name will be spelled correctly, but it's B-R-Y-N-D-R-E-S-C-H-E-R, just like Fran. No, I'm not related. Um, but, and I also have a website, BrynDrescher.com, and you can find more about my course on my website, but I'm really excited. Um, I've got a webinar actually coming up this Tuesday, and I know this is going to air later, but I, I'm sure you can find more about what HAPS I'm doing down the road. Um, but 
I am going to be really dialing in on getting this curriculum out to I'm meeting with athletic directors, et cetera, because I know currently we're filming this in quarantine. And so I don't know what the world's going to look like when it releases. But the big thing is, is that this is there has never been a more important time to work on your mental game when everything else that you normally distract yourself with has been peeled away. And so if there was ever a time to like really get in a group and work on your mental game with a coach, now is the time. And so if I'm that if I sound like I might be that right coach for you, you can reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, DM me message me, uh, email me on my website at info at I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Fantastic. I'm going to link your site and all of your socials below. And we're going to go into some of the fun closing questions. And I wanted to ask you about the title of the show, The Art of Speaking Up. I'd love to ask every guest, what does speaking up mean to them? Oh, gosh. I mean, in this day and age, it is uh, something that I think is so necessary. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know if this video is going to show, but I am a Black woman. I'm actually biracial, and uh, I am so big on speaking up and speaking up when, like, one, your voice matters, of course. Like, we are all given a voice to be able to speak and even if you are deaf, you are, you know, um, someone that can't use your physical voice, we all have a voice. And so my big thing is speaking up, speaking out when you see injustice, when you see that you need to speak up for yourself. So first, I think it starts with self, speaking up for self, because I can only really make change in the world in my personal sphere first. Like they say, every movement starts with one step and it's that one person. So I just so and and, and I want to say this as someone who speaks up a lot, speaks out a lot. I definitely still could use my voice more. And so becoming aware that you want to use your voice, how you want to use your voice, and then taking steps to use it more and then realize where you may not be speaking up in ways that you want. And I, I was saying this, if I may, uh, you know, Jessica, and I understand that, you know, we're not talking about race, but I was saying this to a lot of my uh, white friends and colleagues and associates, um, you, your, your voice matters, even in the issues of race, and particularly in spaces where you have more influence, more import. Um, it is, it is really valuable for you to say something because it lets people know that you are on the whatever side of history. And so like, use your voice, use your voice because it matters, not because you feel you, everyone has a right to speak, has a right to an opinion, has a right to have value and use their voice. And so please do. And yes, while I may not agree with you, I still think you should use your voice and speak from the heart. And if you're coming from your heart, it's rarely wrong. If you're coming from your head, yeah, we all mess up. But if you're coming from your heart and you're really speaking to the heart of the individual that you are conversing with, speaking with, seeking to transform, then usually it will land. But if you are coming from your head or from fear or something, so being mindful of where you're speaking from and, and speaking up, last thing I want to say, because I love the use of word play, speak up to people so that they have to rise to what you're saying. And so not so much just volume, but speak up from a higher place within yourself so that I have to rise to what you're saying. So make sure you're not speaking down, you're speaking up 
so that I'm transcending my current paradigm to have to rise to be at a level that we're all wanting to rise to. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, both parts of that, like the speaking up part and what you said about speaking up about injustice, I really appreciate you voicing that. And I think sometimes there's so much fear around like, oh, what if I say the wrong thing? But I think it's like, to your point, like, use your, like, we can use our hearts to navigate. And I just, the reason I'm highlighting this is because I know I've been in situations where that fear would prevent me from saying something. And it's just better to say something from what I'm learning. Absolutely. Say something, you know, like I know that Homeland Security uses that. Say something. See, if you see something, say something. I don't care about the Homeland Security part. If you see injustice, if you see injustice, whether it be against someone who's differently abled or anything all the way to race and even, you know, cultural and spiritual um, injustice, say something. You don't have to be of the same faith, race, walk, culture to know that it's wrong. And it's never like that's their fight. It's I am a person, you are a person, and I don't want to see anyone get treated horribly regardless. And so, of course, if it's not safe, you've got to speak up in a different way. But there are always opportunities to say something when you see something that could be corrected or wrong, but not in a place of pointing and blaming, but in a place of, hey, I was just hearing what you were saying and I was thinking that it affected me in this way. So, cause you can only speak from your point of view, but it's never pointing fingers. It's not, and that's what's happening a lot in this world. And I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but I wanna say it is very difficult for me to see people yelling at each other, regardless of whether you think you're right. It's more about like, you're not gonna bring anyone to your side by arguing and pointing fingers and calling people names. It's more about seeking to understand, to have compassion. It doesn't mean agreement. It just means compassion, empathy, understanding, listening, and then speaking to each other, person to person, heart to heart. And then that's where change happens. And it's not from like, I'm better than you because I believe that, you know, Black Lives Matter and that racism is wrong. And it's like, well, you're speaking down to me. You're speaking at me. You're not speaking with me and, you know, we're not having a conversation or an exchange. So just remember that. Yeah. And I think those emotions, like emotions are heightened around these topics, but I think a lot about listening and especially in the world of coaching where listening is the foundation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I just think about how culturally it's not something that we're really, it's not emphasized. It's not something that we're taught to do. And it's sort of wild to think that like, before I moved closer into the world of coaching, like listening was not something that I had really thought much about in my life. Also a skill. <laughs> Just because we can hear doesn't mean we listen. Totally. Yeah. And it really, it can just change the entire course of a conversation when you really commit to like turning off all your crap for just a minute. You can turn it back on later, but just like temporarily just turn the switch off and just allow your focus to be completely on the person. Absolutely. So yeah, speaking up, that's another way is to listen because it allows you to like really speak from a place of like, well, what I heard you say is, and then all of a sudden it's like, we're having, like, you get me versus I can just wait my turn to talk. Yes. Like listening is such an important part in a conversation. It's an exchange. It's not, a, it's not a one-way thing. Like I have stuff to say, Jessica, and I want to say, but because I listened to you, I was able to better respond to what we were actually talking about. 
Oh, for sure. And like, I know so many women who listen to this show struggle with like self-criticism and confidence and, you know, listening is a way out. When you truly engage with another human, you go out of your own head, out of your own stuff, out of your own drama, and it can give you some relief from that. And it is magic in that way as well. Absolutely. All right. And next one is one quick tip for someone who wants to feel more confident at work. Oh, well, you know, there's the great quote, uh, fake it till you make it. But I disagree with that because you don't need to fake anything. In fact, my reverend at church says, faith it until you manifest it. So it's this idea of it's coming. So in other words, just start to, uh, you know, kind of like the alter ego, Sasha Fierce for Beyonce, even Beyonce has an alter ego at one point. I don't know if she needs Sasha Fierce anymore, but at one point she did. Superman, you know, and it's funny because, you know, like Clark Kent, but it's like the way that I look at it as this, um, and this is going to be a really different turn, but like people think that Clark Kent is the secret identity and he is, but it's like, remember, Superman is the person. So in other words, you are Superman. You just created Clark Kent because you weren't ready to fully like embrace, have the world see your full Superman. So understand and uncover, like you want to be confident at work, just take small steps to let your Superman show. And that's just going to be with like, speak up in a meeting, sit closer to the boss. So you have to say something or he has to talk to you, like make a choice to actually say one thing in a conversation when people are talking and you're kind of like, I don't know if I should say anything, but say it anyway. Just take little small steps to kind of like uncover your Superman because you're not Clark Kent. You're actually Superman. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And we made it to the end. Thank you for coming all along this journey with me. This conversation has been really fun. The last question is just your space to speak to anyone listening to the show who might be looking for empowerment, who might be struggling. This is just your your time to, to touch people and talk straight to the listener. All right. So if you are listening to the show and you feel a little bit beat down in life, like things aren't going your way, the first thing to remember is that the world needs you. You came to make a difference. I always think about we're all drops in the ripples in the ponds of life. And so because you are here, the world is different. So one, you have a place, you matter, you should be here. Secondly, you came to make a difference because if, you know, I always use the um, analogy of it's a wonderful life. And so without whatever his name is, I can't think of his name, but, um, you know, we would all, the world would be different. The whole world around you would be different without you. So the people around you matter and continue to take steps every day to push yourself out of your current paradigm, your current box that you feel stuck in. Know that the lid is open, the cell door is unlocked and uh, you're, you know, and you can make a difference. You can change what you're not liking about your world and yourself. And sure, that will take from, you know, that will take steps, but you've got this, you're amazing. And I believe in you. And if no one told you today, I love you. Oh, thank you so much, Bryn. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
I loved connecting with Bryn so much and I'm also going to link her information below and I wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast this week. I hope you've been doing well. I hope you loved this conversation and if you are seeking more support or you're interested in exploring working with me one-on-one to support your career evolution and help you build confidence at work, or to do some general life coaching, I would love to connect with you. You can learn more about next steps and a little bit more information on the podcast website if you go to theartofspeakingup.com slash coaching. And let's see, what else do I have? Check out the show notes for free resources where you will find the Facebook group and my free ebook, Oh, and the show is getting very close to 100 reviews, which is bananas, bananas. But if you've been listening to the show and you've been enjoying the show, I would love it if you could leave a rating because it'd be really cool to cross that 100 mark, which really, truly doesn't mean anything. Like, like literally, it's just cool because why is 100 so much cooler than 98 and 99. I don't know, but it is. Anyway, if you want to support the show, that is a great way to do it or share it with a friend, share it with someone who might benefit from the content. All right. It is time for me to sign off. It is time for you to go about your day. This is the part where I start acting weird. My voice changes. Things get odd. That's how I know it's the end. So I'm going to hop off and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye.